0: Psalm 46, and I noticed in looking at this psalm that it uh, uses the word selah, I think, three times, which is a little more than average for the psalms. And I like to think of that word as a word that just simply means stop and think about the words that were just given before that. So when you see that word just Take a moment to think again about the words right uh, preceding that word. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. There is a river. Behold the works of the Lord, what desolations He hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. You may be seated.
1: In today's sermon, I want to take a look at three S's that on that show up on nearly every list of spiritual disciplines, uh, in some form or in some way. And that's the disciplines of quietness, as I've uh, labeled it. Uh, I think some writers or some scholars would call it the discipline of retreat, or respite, or something of that nature. Silence, solitude, and stillness. I was inspired by the sermon last Sunday that Nate gave on the spiritual discipline of fasting. Um, I didn't really think about it, although I probably should have when I started preaching on this uh, series, maybe just a bit later than Nate uh, started his series on the Sermon on the Mount, But I became aware quickly that numerous of the topics that he preaches and numerous of the topics that I preach intersect, um, and I'm fine with that. Nate and I have had some conversations about that along the way. I agree with Nate that any time the word fasting is used in the New Testament or in the Bible as a whole, it talks about the abstinence of food or going without food for a time. Today in our sermon, I want to take a look at several other forms of abstinence. Fasting, if you will, although I, I probably tend to lean a bit toward the biblical definition or the biblical use of the word fasting. Fasting. I'm fine with using uh, the word fasting in other ways, however, but today we're going to be looking at disciplines of abstinence, doing without something for a period of time for the purpose of being drawn to something else, which obviously we can easily think through this, but when we do without something as Christians, it's for the purpose of being drawn to God. We turn down the noise or the volume or the call of something else so that we can hear the Word of God. And I also want to emphasize that as we go through the sermon here today, that the things that we're talking about doing without are things that God created us for. They are not things that we're, doing, or we're, talking, we're not talking about doing without things that are sinful or wrong in some ways or abnormal. We're talking about doing things that God created us for. And that's, yeah, I just want to emphasize that and to leave that here at the beginning. What is the discipline of quietness? Well, I want to take the opportunity to find a few of these. I don't think that we would have lots of debate on this, although there could be some varied ways of uh, interpreting these words. I think solitude is pretty much abstaining from people, where you do something alone, to turn away from human interaction and stimuli, where you intentionally uh, remove yourself from the fellowship of people around you for, again, a period of time. Silence, on the other hand, is abstaining from noise or commotion. Perhaps silence includes, and I would submit to you that there are times where silence, the discipline of silence, involves uh, refraining from speaking. Um, How many of you have ever tried to do that for a day, or even an hour, or a couple of hours? Um, Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Stillness, on the other hand, is abstinence from activity, where you intentionally remove yourself from doing things, from activities, to stop, to cease, to desist, to not move. To rest, to stay fixated in the spot that you're in for a period of time, to be at peace. I'm sure you're probably noticing that there's similarity, and um, in these three, I think there's probable that uh, it's difficult to do one without the complete interaction of the other, although it, there may be times where that is possible, but all three of these are also distinct in some other ways. They may or may not be accomplished at the same time. In the sermon today, basically because of lack of time and the uh, yeah, just the, the flow of things, I'm, I'm going to be lumping these together, and um, you'll probably notice that, and I'm not necessarily doing that to... Um, to create, or to 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 create the visual that they're the same thing, um, yeah. Perhaps I'm needlessly lumping them together. Uh, I just want to give that disclaimer. It's surprising how loud silence can be. Perhaps another way of saying that is how awkward silence can be. And I became aware, in, even in my own life, how, how diligent I can be, how diligent we are sometimes to avoid silence. And it can be difficult, especially when we're expecting things to include noise or activity or expecting involvement when, when that is taken away, whether by choice or otherwise. The Quakers, at least in their origins here in America and in in, uh, England, believed in this principle very deeply, the principle of quietness. They believed in it so much that they actually had periods of time in their church services, maybe even to this day, where there is complete silence. I find that rather interesting. I was drawn to that enough to have us do that here this morning. I have a stopwatch here on my phone. And I think I'm going to have us be completely quiet for a minute. Just to be as quiet and still as possible. Think we can do it? In keeping with the idea of solitude, how about we try to avoid eye contact and just keep to ourselves for a minute. Ready? One, two, three, go. That's a minute. One minute. I think the things that you and I thought about over these past 60 seconds are some of the most important things about us and to us. Quietness in Scripture. Throughout the Old and New Testament, silence and solitude are used by people and by God to speak to people. Not all of the great men and women in the Bible. Experienced this, although I think you can see a pretty distinct pattern. And I've picked out a few. Moses went alone to Mount Sinai for 40 days to talk to God and to receive God for years. Went away for a time, away for a quiet place. In Mark 1 and Luke 4, all of these mention Jesus pursuing solitude or silence, a quiet place. It's particularly instructive to me to notice that in Luke chapter 6, it seems as if Jesus spent a relatively um, elongated time in silence. It doesn't say for sure, but it was at least a day or perhaps longer. And Luke, in his typical way, says that immediately after that, he chose the 12 disciples. I don't think that's insignificant at all. Much later in the book of Luke, as well as in the other Gospels, it indicates that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane spent time alone for those hours just prior to the greatest test of his life. He also spent, in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke 4, he spent time under duress, temptation from Satan, again alone In the opening of the book of Habakkuk, the prophet spends pretty much a whole chapter, I'm putting this in my own words now, moaning or pointing out the problems of seeing the wicked and seeing evil multiply and seeming like there was no deliverer, that things were out of whack in the world, and there didn't seem to be any check in that for that problem. But in chapter 2 of the book of Habakkuk, God speaks into the situation, and he reminds Habakkuk in very clear terms that even though it seems that way from Habakkuk's perspective, that is not actually what's going on. God is not out of control. God shares his viewpoint and it's interesting to see what God shares in that chapter, in chapter 2 of the book of Habakkuk. Those words deeply affected the prophet when he said, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. I find it also very interesting to note how many songs that we sing, hymns and songs that are close to us, that tell us or give us directions or instructions about this discipline of quietness, this obviously being one of them. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, it says, in returning... And rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Matthew chapter 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door. Clear instruction and teaching about the removal of distraction. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Scripture implies that stillness involves waiting or a, a ceasing of activity. That's hard to do. I know. I'm not naturally a, pa- a patient person. But it also goes on to say, the Scriptures also instruct us in many of these same passages that blessings follow those who wait on God. God breaks into the, into the scene or comes into the scene especially noticeably or obviously or especially timely after periods of waiting. When we don't initiate action on our own strength but instead, instead wait on God, there are blessings to be had in those times that are above and beyond what it would be otherwise. In Mark chapter 4, verse 39, Jesus connects peace and stillness when he calms the storm. It says, peace be still, were the words of Jesus. The wind ceased as he said that. Jesus connecting stillness with peace. When we experience periods of stillness with God, however long those are, whether it's five minutes or 24 hours or whatever time we want to place on that, our natural RPMs slow down. And we start to be able to, to, um, to think through the turmoil that we naturally face or seemingly face. And when our RPMs slow down, there's a greater opportunity for peace to settle into our minds as a result of that. Psalm 46 and verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted on the earth. The writer, the psalmist declares that we come to know God and his ways through stillness. Through silence. Through solitude. We tend to see the work of God more clearly. In Psalm 23, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters, he restoreth my soul. Over and over again, the scriptures associate stillness with rest and healing, Psalm 23 being one of them. Physically speaking, when we are sick, one of the most Necessary and obvious things that we often do is stop. We rest. The doctor frequently orders, prescribes rest as a way of bringing healing to what we're feeling. When we suffer broken bones, they're placed in a cast or in a sling or immobilized in some way so that the bone can, or the muscles surrounding the bone can cease movement which brings healing stillness promotes healing and when we are still before god i think it's in those times that we invite and allow god's healing to come into our emotional and spiritual lives <clears throat> in first samuel in first samuel 12 verse 16 Samuel instructs the people, he says, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. <clears throat> also, Samuel, as a little boy, in, first, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, Samuel was in the, in the temple helping Eli, he hears God calling him, and as long as he is busy, he uh, tends not to hear the voice of God, but Eli instructed him accurately to say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And when Samuel was quiet, he could hear the voice of God, that it was God that was speaking. I think it can be uh, the same for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 say, And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, And to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. And the following verse adds to that where he says that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. This idea of stillness and solitude, times of quietness, I think are ways of God giving us what we need for our lives. Now, getting away from time to time has long been a human necessity, not only by Jesus, not only by people in the Bible, but we find ourselves craving times for rest and quietness, for removal from the things that normally um, uh, surround or, or take our focus and attention. And I think Probably all of us, and by many, most people's accounts, we're living in times that are noisier and busier and more involved, more active, and perhaps more intense, intensely so, than any other period in history. There's technology in all its various forms. And while technology has some amazingly helpful uh, things for us, benefits, It is also a major loss of quietness and stillness and solitude in our lives. I'm sure I don't have to go into a lot of detail to describe that. It is nearly impossible to get completely away from these things. Throughout our day, we have constant ringtones and notification beeps. We have voices of our favorite author who reads to us when we're in the car or perhaps even when we're getting dressed. There's the chit-chat, the voices of co-workers. There's parents of small children who have constant noise that accompanies that, as you are aware, in that stage of life. We exercise and go about our work while streaming podcasts and um, informative-type things and listening to music and that sort of thing. Our phones are constantly dinging notifications. And we find, as a result of that, Increasing, increasing difficulty to be silent and still, and I don't think it serves us well. We become uneasy. We feel awkward when there's complete silences. Quick. Somebody say something. That's the mentality that we have, especially when we're around people. When there's not activity, how quickly are we to pull out our phones or to do something of that nature, to occupy and fill our time? We tend to see silence as a waste of time. It's not. Why quietness? I've listed a few things here. Reasons that I see as the need for us to to become quiet at points in our lives. Number one, the ability to listen to God and or your own voice. I would definitely put it in that order. But there's value sometimes, not only in hearing from the voice of God, but it, silence and solitude and stillness help us to understand what we're thinking sometimes and to make sense of the thoughts that we have. In light of what God is saying, of course. Like I said, the world is a noisy and wordy place. Words are coming from our loved ones. Words are popping on our smartphones. Words are coming through our stereo systems, our sound systems, whatever they are. Words are spouting from newscasters and people who do podcasts and audiobooks and more and more. These are wordy times that we live in. Every nook and cranny of our life is filled with messages about what we should do and how we should think and how we should look and, and so on. And in the thick of this constant static, it can be hard to hear the Word of God. And I challenge us and encourage us to to find periods of quietness in our life simply for the ability to listen to God and to make sense of of our own thoughts. Secondly, quietness can bring discernment and clarity in decision making. Again, it brings a perspective perspective sort of like a jar of muddy water. When you shake the jar, if you continue to shake the jar, the water stays cloudy. But if you cause that jar to become still, the mud settles to the bottom and the water becomes clear. Or a snow globe would be another illustration. As long as you're shaking or turning it upside down, as long as there's activity and movement, there's going to continue to be lack of clarity. And it goes a long way in helping us make good decisions and settle on things that keep out distracting details and competing interests and all the shouldas and couldas and wouldas that tend to cloud our thinking in these times. I've already referred to this one somewhat, but quietness has a way of liberating us from comparison with others. It causes us to focus on God and what God wants us to do. <clears throat> Our strength comes from God, not on the approval or what we think is the approval of others. There is a Bible living, engage in a life base for we fall in a stronger times of quietness as preparation. Quietness can help us or cause us to have strength to continue the battle. Silence and solitude, I think, do not only prepare us for the challenge, but they are part of the continuation of it. None of us are particularly well served. Very few of us are ever at a place where we can constantly be on the front lines. There are times where we need to withdraw and times where we need to step back and times where we need to allow others and appoint others to be in the front lines. We need to rotate silence, or, or between silence and busyness, between solid, solitude and, and activity and that sort of thing, to reorient our pri- priorities, to redirect our, our compass, if you want to say it in that way. Recommit to a greater purpose in our life. Quietness can be like sharpening the saw. It restores the edge. It's not a waste of time. It saves time. Quietness. Why quietness? One of the ways I think that we especially need, that I especially need, and the thing that is most convicting to me when I look at passages uh, throughout the Proverbs... And in the book of James and other places, quietness, the need to control our speech, and the, the deliverance from the need to explain all of our actions. Silence, someone has said, is not just the quieting of noise that arises from without us, but also quieting the noise that comes from within us. In silence, we put an end to needless and unedifying chatter, gossip, small talk that comes out of our mind and heart. When we choose not to speak for any period of time, we are training our soul, we're training our mind to focus and to speak things that are more important Now, all of us have a deep need and a desire, and naturally so, to want to be understood. We want people to understand us. And we feel a deep need, naturally, to maintain our relationship. And so we say things in words, sometimes in actions, but I'm especially talking about speech now and our words. We go to great lengths to cultivate our image with words that we say and choices of words and how we string words together to justify ourselves. And some of us simply feel the need to use speech to prove that, I don't know, I guess that we're alive or that, that something is, is happening in our minds, that we're not just some lump of, of um, cells that is sitting around. Um, I don't know exactly why we are so inclined to speak as much as we do. I thought of social media as well, and maybe this is especially for the younger people here today. I've... I've noticed, and I, I find myself in this category, although maybe not as much as the younger people, but it seems as if whenever something is done, there is the constant and the urgent need to take pictures and videos and to, to broadcast on social media. It's almost as if, if you don't take pictures and you don't take videos and you don't broadcast, then maybe it didn't happen. Furthermore, in our culture, we're so task-oriented and efficiency-focused. And I appreciate that about our culture. I'm that way. I think we should be that way. However, those things can be a real problem to us where we we tend to, to, to avoid silence and we tend to avoid stillness for that particular reason. Sometimes it's necessary for us to step back and allow God to talk rather than us doing all the talking. I want to give you some cautions in relation to quietness. Silence and solitude and stillness have their dangers. They're kind of like fasting. Like I said before, when we... Enter into silence and solitude and stillness. We forego something that God has intended for us to enjoy. Sort of like doing without food. God created us to receive food, but when we fast, we are foregoing that for a period of time. And it's in the same way with some of these spiritual benefits of stillness, solitude, and fasting. Um, escape. They shouldn't. We should never. We should never see. Times of quietness as a way to escape responsibility or to get away from things that we ought to be doing or an effort to control others. Um, yeah, I don't think I need to go into great detail about that. Rather, we should see quietness as a way for us to get into doing things that we need to do, to prepare us to do what we ought to do, not to escape our responsibilities. Secondly, caution is is noticed in Scripture in relation to times of silence where Satan is capable of exploiting those times in an effort for us to follow him. Jesus is, is perhaps the prime example of this. When Jesus was in the wilderness, it was then that Satan came to him when he was physically weak, when he was in solitude for 40 days and had not eaten for a long time, when he was spiritually and emotionally weak, when he was in that time of quietness, Satan shows up. Also in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was in those times that Jesus faced the strongest battles that are recorded in Scripture. If you're like me at all, Activity and fellowship, and um, yeah, and those sorts of things can be a way of causing me not to think about things that hurt. It can cause me not to face pain in my life, and I think that's actually one of the reasons, perhaps the main reasons, why we are, or sometimes why we tend to be so driven in our work and in our activities, in our talking. And why we're uncomfortable with stillness and silence. Because we don't want to face the pain in our lives. And one of the things that I've found about stillness and quietness is that I tend to replay tapes in my mind that actually are causing me to nurse grudges about situations and people. I've become especially convicted in that area as I studied and prepared this topic. That is not the purpose of stillness and silence and solitude, where we remove ourselves or find ourselves in a position where we're nursing those old things. I want to conclude this section by saying and reminding us that stillness and silence and solitude are not necessarily long-term states, but I think they're rhythms is the word that I chose to use rhythms in our life or stage in our stage of life they are stillness and solitude and silence are made to prepare us to enter into the work that god wants us to do to equip us for that that stage and that purpose <clears throat> i couldn't help but wonder and i tend to feel it's doubtful i'll just leave this with you in question form Will we need stillness and silence and solitude in heaven? Or is that something that's built for this stage in our life? I don't know for sure. Revelation chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that there is or will be a time of silence in heaven. Perhaps that's only for then and that time. I don't know for sure if it's going to be that way the rest of, of, of eternity. I personally think that the book of Revelation actually makes heaven seem sort of loud and crowded. I don't know if that's bad news for people who are more introverts, but I I think heaven seems like a busy place. And I don't know if that's instructive or not. But solitude should be seen as a companion to fellowship, not separate one from the other. A fasting from people so that we can return to that Silence should be seen as a way of preparing us to engage again, not the other way around. I have some, just some physical health benefits of silence and solitude. I've already referred to this a little bit earlier. There are obvious physical benefits to silence and solitude. When you cultivate silence and solitude, in your life. Your body relaxes. Your body, the muscles start to slow down, and the intensity that you feel in your life, and that's a good thing. That actually leads to healing in your life otherwise. <clears throat> Relaxation is a primary mechanism for healing. That's why we should get plenty and regular hours of sleep, for example. I refer to this back when I talk on the, the uh, discipline of rest. When you're under stress, you're bound to be labeled Splism in your body itself. Um, uh, I don't enjoy silence. I only have a few of these and perhaps you can yeah, you can there's all kinds of ways that we can experience silence. Um, I have I've never uh, hunted very much. I think some of you hunters actually um, probably can relate to some of what I'm talking about this morning when you're sitting in the tree stand or hunting. And that's why you don't want me alone, because I can't be quiet enough. But it is an activity that you can do at certain periods and points in your life or throughout the year to have that built-in time of retreat. And there's numerous other things that we can do. How about... How about setting regular time in our week? How about settling setting 20 or 30-minute periods of time throughout our week where we, where we have scheduled times of silence, solitude, and stillness? Or in a day's time, how about incorporating pauses in our, throughout our day, even five minutes? Perhaps this can, well, this can show up in all kinds of ways. Maybe just as simple as when you get to the place you're at, if you're not late anyway, stay in your vehicle for five minutes and just put your head back and close your eyes or otherwise and just sit for five minutes. Perhaps even getting up five minutes early or maybe even staying up five minutes later, depending on your, um, the way you're wired. And take those extra five minutes. Just set designated five minutes where you're not actually doing something. Allow God to talk, let Him do the talking. My prayer as I close mirrors the thought of the poet, John Whitmer. John Whittier, if I can say that right, he wrote a hymn that we know, we're familiar with. It's a prayer. He said, Dear God and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind, in purer lives thy service find, in deeper reverence, praise, and simple trust like theirs who heard beside the Syrian sea the gracious calling of the Lord. Let us, like them, without a word, rise up and follow thee. O Sabbath rest by Galilee, O calm of hills above, where Jesus knelt to share with thee the silence of eternity, interpreted by love. Let's sing this last verse together, and then we'll bow our heads for prayer. Drop the still do Lord, we come to you this morning. We ask your blessing on our lives as we go about it. Help us to order our lives, to arrange our lives in ways that bring peace into our own lives, that bring peace to the world around us. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to turn from our own agendas, our own selves, and the way that we want to project ourselves and allow you to interpret our lives, to allow you to, to bring peace and courage and fruitfulness to our lives. We pray your blessing on our time together as we leave this place and give us safety as we return to our homes. And in this coming week, help us to allow you to speak through us. We pray through Christ. Amen.